This episode of Pompey Talk is brought to you in association with Portsmouth.co.uk. To stay in the know about everything happening at Fratton Park, including the latest news, analysis and transfer updates, take out an online Pompey subscription with the Portsmouth News today at portsmouth.co.uk forward slash subscriptions. Hello and welcome to Pompey Talk, the news podcast. I'm Jordan Cross, joined by Head of Sport, Mark McMahon, to bring you bang up to speed with the latest from Fratton Park. On this week's show, we bring you the full preview ahead of the new campaign as the Cowley era begins in earnest. There's insight on moves for a new midfielder and Louis Thompson, exits for Ellis Harrison and Michael Jacobs, Plus, where does the transfer window go now for Danny Cowley and what work does he have to carry out to free up space in his playing budget? We're now available from wherever you download your podcasts, so give us a listen, like and subscribe to get each edition downloaded to your device and keep your finger firmly on the PO4 Pulse at portsmouth.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Pompey Talk. My name is Mark McMahon and Joining me today to discuss Pompey's brand new season, which starts against Fleetwood on Saturday, is none other than Jordan Cross. Jordy, welcome. Hello, Mark. Uh, pleasure to be here on the dawn of our new season. Traditionally, well, the right of every fan is it to be full of hope and optimism at this time of the season before we have them kicked out of us by the time probably September comes around and the realities of uh, <laughs> <laughs> kicking. Um, no, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I'm an optimist and I always go into a season sort of upbeat. Um, I have done in previous seasons. This season, probably less so maybe. Uh, you know, maybe, I'm, maybe it's my age. Maybe I'm just getting old and having all that enthusiasm drained out of me. I don't know. But I, I, I think Pompey are in reasonable health. Um, they could be in a lot better health. And I think maybe, I don't know. I was confident Pompey were a top six team. I think they probably just about are still. Maybe not quite as much as I thought they were a couple of months ago. But yeah, looking forward to Fleetwood and all that comes with it tomorrow. Fisherman's Friends and uh, a visit to the Free Alliance, the local boozer for a, uh, some sort of uh, Brewer's Fair meal deal or something. Keep it like everyone on the expense. <laughs> yeah, don't don't put too much on the expenses. We can only afford seven pound uh, lunch meal deal if that's the case. Um, Three pound meal deals. Yeah, I'm surprised you say that your optimism has waned slightly because I've just read a report by you that's went out online with all the other League One journalists that you're predicting promotion for Pompey, but via the playoffs. What's changed since then? Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Um, no, I, I feel that Pompey are just about a top six team. Um, I felt that they certainly were a top six budget a couple of months ago. Um, I think it's a story we'll pick up with um, at portsmouth.co.uk. I think Pompey probably might, might slightly misjudge the market. And in reality, they're not maybe not quite a top six budget. Maybe they're a bit more top eight, top ten budget. Uh, but we will see how that play plans out. We look at the likes of Blackpool last season, who came through after a slow start of a new team and certainly weren't were a competitive budget, but not at the top. And as Danny Cowley rightly says, he he um, 
he's, all his successes have not necessarily arrived with, with him being um, amongst the big spenders in his career. Um, so there's a lot of there's a work in progress at Pompey at the moment. There's a lot of work to do. I think we've got the right man at the helm. I think that gives me reason to be cheerful. Danny Crowley's the right man. I think it was toxic under Kenny Jacket. We've got rid of that. Uh, but now the judgment starts, really, doesn't it? I think it was kind of a, a free hit of sorts at the end of last season. Um, but um, now we, we start to really assess things a bit, a bit more sternly. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think Pompey are, as I say, a playoff side potentially. There's cautious optimism. I think that I think the first eleven is stronger than last season. I was going to ask you that there, like, so, yeah. We'll leave, leave, I'll, leave, I'll come back, we'll come back to that in a minute then. But, um, yeah, there, I think there's reasons to be cautiously optimistic. Um, there's lots of caveats along the way, though. Um, and, of course, it's, it, we will go back to it at time again. It's the, it's the strongest division we've seen in, in over a decade since the likes of Leeds United and Norwich City and, real, and, and that lot down the road. I mean, there was a Millwall. That was a, you know, back, back about 2010-11 time uh, when it was a really powerful division. I think it's up there with that. So that's another reason to, you know, reason for caution. But um, yeah, let's go, let's go in with some optimism and, uh, and let's see where it takes us. Well, you've always said that you've been impressed by what Danny has done in the transfer market. So you, you, you have, you've admitted that Bazunu, Tunnicliffe, Williams, Clark, Robinson, everything. You've been quite impressed. Is that their air of caution down to simply because Ipswich have absolutely blown everybody out of the water and you just can't see anybody as well as Pompey competing with that? Or is it, you know what, Wigan are also doing well? I'm hearing reports from Sunderland that the Sunderland fans are quite unhappy with what's going on up at the Stadium of Light, so they're disgruntled. I know Lincoln has improved on last season. If you look at what they've done, is, is it is your demeanour based on what has happened elsewhere in this division rather than focusing solely on... Yeah, it's totally, it's significant. It's a significant part of it and Ipswich are a significant part of it. Um, as soon as Paul Crook went there, I, I kind of thought, here they come. You know, Ipswich, you know, I value Paul Crook very highly and he's the best manager I've worked with aside from Harry Redknapp is from a journalistic perspective. Uh, but he gets, he knows success at this level. He knows how to achieve it. And then you've given him a budget as well. You've given him, you've given him a war chest. And look at their recruitment at Ipswich Town. Um, it's, it's quite amazing, really, for this level. Uh, when they can kind of almost stockpile players, it feels like now. I don't know if I said it in a previous pod, pod, podcast. I've certainly been saying it to colleagues where AC Milan, I said it to you, you know, AC Milan, when they had um, all their kind of the Hullets and Van Bastens and then Jean-Pierre Papin became available one summer and it's kind of like he was a hot shot across Europe and they just went and bought him just so no one else could have him it's kind of like I thought it's getting to that stage now when they took Chaplin and they got Paul <laughs> and Pigger and all the other players they got there um, but with that I would say I can I pick Ipswich's clear favourites um, and it is the strongest league but I don't necessarily jump on a second and third team very easily. I think I could probably pick eight or ten teams rather than, than two or three. Yeah. Uh, if Wednesday kicks into gear with some business now, haven't they? Uh, Rotherham will come down. Don't discount Wickham Wanderers. And then there's, yeah, yeah Wigan. You know, I think Wigan have got a lot on their hands. So, I mean, they spent very well and it always helps to have the money, but there's a lot to do there. Still Wigan. Um, a lot to prove. But of course, they're going to be there, there 
or thereabouts. Charlton Athletic, good manager, reasonable recruitment. Um, Bolton have come up. Don't think they've been quite ready yet, but it's just a very you can pick seven or eight, couldn't you? Really, I'm yeah. not quite sure about who the second and third team would be. Uh, yeah, so if Pompey could sneak into the playoffs in sixth and actually win a game in the playoffs or once, them, then then who knows? I always remember growing up and um, the first day of the season. If your team got beaten the first day of the season, that was like the end of the world. That we have done all this work behind the scenes. We've got players in. And we're going the first day and you get beat and you're just going, oh my God, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Pompey, if Pompey don't pick up a win at Fleetwood, bear in mind, this is Fleetwood, a decent side. They've always been there thereabouts in previous seasons. Is everybody all of a sudden going to be doom and gloom or is there going to be a wee bit of realisation here that, you know, this is a project that Cowley's undertaken and it's going to take time? Yeah, I think there has to be... Um realism going in I, I, I say I'm impressed with Danny what Danny has done in terms of recruitment uh, but there's gaps all over the, you know, still significant gaps in the in the Pompey squad I, I, I'm sure if you listened to the video yesterday it was a great line he called Pompey a, a bit like a polo mint at the minute so they've gone great <laughs> around the and there's a big hole in the middle um, which I thought was quite amusing so and also I mean there's there's you know there's punts all over the team, wasn't there? I mean, Jaden Reed was a punt, really, a young player. He obviously, unfortunately, got injured. Gassan Ahadmi is a punt. He, he, he looks like he's every chance he's going to start um, uh, this weekend. And uh, although the goals have flowed in pre-season, he's not played senior football in England before. He's had a few hundred, you know, EFL trophy games. Um, yeah, so that's a punt. George Hurst, again, 22-year-old lad, coming on loan. A tough time at Rotherham last season. Got a point to prove. Seems like a good, 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 um, good lad and a good opening insight to him at Bournemouth this week. It's a punt. It's not, you know, there's no guarantees with these players, isn't it? Because Danny is having to move around with his budget and be creative and look at loans and look at free transfers and move players on and try and open up spaces and maybe make a few sacrifices we haven't even seen yet uh, to get the kind of player, the players that he feels are the premium places, an eight stroke ten. Um, probably less so the other midfielders but um, yeah so he's having to um, go kind of manage things and yeah it, it, it's a challenge I've seen some criticism of some of the stuff about we talk about Michael Jacobs and etc going and Ellis Harrison saying why are these players going they haven't potentially have to go because they're big earners at Pompey at the moment and and he has to manage his squad Danny he has to kind of look where, where, they, where they can probably be covered still and then and then look to spend um, and he, I, I think the, the money will go in a, in an eight stroke ten position. I think he's ready to sink quite amount of his remaining budget on that. So, yeah, I think it, yeah that that again the fact that Pompey are having to do that, uh, where other sides don't so much. Again, another reason for for realism realism going in about where Pompey stand at the moment. Um, but they, you know, but realism, but no no, let's have it right. They haven't got a poor budget by the league, and we're not the you know kind of scrapping around at the bottom and they're really mm -hmm. you know, cautious optimism should we call it there's reason for cautious optimism you mentioned there Gassan Hadme he's, he scored eight goals in pre-season and you said there's a lot of attention on his shoulders George Hurst back in June Danny was talking about how those loan arrivals he wanted them to be Premier League quality youngsters are they? Is that the calibre of player he has been searching for? And in his eyes, these are young players. You're going to come in and make a difference to that starting eleven. 
or has he had to rein in those expectations anywhere along the lines? Uh, I can't. Well, I, if I answer it in, in terms of Hurst and Hadney, they aren't the kind of uh, the, the big hitters. I don't think um, Danny anticipates. I think he was talking among you know the more the likes of the Tunnicliffs, Clark Robertson, Shulman, and someone at the door probably a pass. We'll have to wait. I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> so uh, they're the they're the ones that I think he was talking about the free the free agents that become available. Um, taking that narrative on now a bit more uh, because the way that things have been slightly realigned in terms of budget, I think, and, and how the how the market's going, because there hasn't been the movement at a higher level to make the, the the other players lower down the chain available. I think that it might run a bit later. I think we might see one or two come very late, and that might open up opportunities that Danny Kelly might not have anticipated. Um, I know that he's got his irons in the fire for kind of championship quality players at the moment who are looking at championship clubs and quite right for them to do so. So they are maybe training or uh, either out of contract training with, with championship clubs or they're um, with, their, with their clubs looking at opportunities at championship clubs. When the league starts this week, you know, and, the, and we play, we've got five games in 15 days, I think, at the start, haven't we? All of a sudden, you get to those those games very quickly, and they're not featuring, or they haven't got themselves a club. Then, then those are the opportunities that might come into his you know, line of vision. So maybe maybe there's some of that that he thought would happen earlier that's going to actually happen later. Uh, but I think there's still room for one or two heavy hitters to come in in in, in that kind of ilk. Well, he's already got 22 in a squad. Obviously, some of those don't count to the actual number that league restrictions allow you to because of their age. Yeah. But that's all, that squad's all of a sudden crept up to 22 when Burnham Man was only a couple of weeks ago we were going, flipping the heck, where's he going to get all these players from? But so if there's going to be a bit of late business coming up the 31st of August, are you expecting a period of lull where there's no signings, where Danny is actually now going, no, I need to just wait and see what's arriving in a game of chess, so to speak, so that he doesn't all of a sudden have a squad that he just can't get rid of now, that he needs, yeah. he needs to keep some something laid there for him from the end of the window? Well, a bit of both, because as you well know, as we sit here at 25 past one on Friday, we, we weren't expecting any business, but we're going to get some now. Um, don't get too excited about it, but this, I think this podcast will probably be out by the time that, that business turns. Nonetheless, probably um, do old track of announcing them for eight o'clock and we're, we're in the pub or something out there. Like, so. That's right. Yeah, they tend to do that on a Friday when we're looking to get on a, a reasonable finish, don't they? And yeah, getting the yeah. loser for whatever, and then they drop a grenade. Um, yeah, we know the identity of that person. Um, he's been mentioned. Don't get too excited. It's not Ben Thompson. It's not Joe Morrell. Uh, but we've been mentioning him today. Um, we're going to talk about him in a minute, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there, there's going to be one or two like that, which are, you know, probably peripheral. Not peripheral. Probably they're not sinking a massive amount of their budget into those players. Then, yeah, on the other side of the, of the coin with your, your question, I think there will be ones that open up up later um, later in the month and also as you say it's 22 at the moment the squad and I think it's 20 or can't remember it's 20 or 21 players in the squad limits in League One next season um, but you've got the uh, lads under the age of 21 we've got quite a few youngsters it doesn't have to be homegrown it just have to be under that age so Pompey won't be it won't be a worry to fit the squad numbers squad numbers in but I think they're going to see Vincent 
go out on loan. We're going to see Haji Minogue, in all probability, go out on loan. Uh, Reed, obviously, can't, I don't think it's fair to count him in the squad. So that's down to 19 straight away. Um, then there's going to be movement. I think Michael Jacobs, Ellis Harrison, possibly on their way out, 17. Um, another, another movement. I mean, Ronan Curse's future's up in the air. All of a sudden, then you're kind of down to 16 if, if, he, if he went. So, there's, there's, you know, you can still see... I can see two central midfielders and num uh, sitting kind of cheaper ones. I think they'd be rather in the, at the cheaper end of the budget. Then a more attacking <laughs> midfielder, ideally, an eight stroke ten uh, who can play a creative role. Um, I think they and then a goalkeeper, a young third goalkeeper. Um, I don't think they're going to go for a centre back now because we've got kind of Ogilvy who will offer versatility to free up an extra you know, two players in one give Danny a bit more freedom in his budget to go in other areas. Then from there, I think it'd be one in, one out, really. So if Curses goes, you need another one in. If Jacobs goes, you need another one in. And so, yeah. probably, you know, certainly a, a trio, maybe four, and then five or six if players leave. Right. That makes sense. Uh, so I'm trying to work it out in my head, but I think I need my abacus or something like that there just to keep, keep track on everything. Like, um, you've thrown in Roland Curtis there, and I know he's been the subject of a lot of our discussions on, on our podcast and videos, like, but he's going to start tomorrow at Fleetwood, which none of us really would have anticipated um, on the final day of last season. Is he going to be there come the 31st of August? And has the ball started rolling? We've seen Danny Ings move from Southampton to Villa. Southampton have been linked with Adam Armstrong at Blackburn. Blackburn need the money before they can bring anybody in. Is this is this the start of a process now where Roland Curtis might get his wish of leaving or or is there going to be no bids that Pompey are going to find acceptable? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, there are... <laughs> you went, I don't know. You've answered the question. Anyway, you're giving all the detail in the Armstrong business and all that kind of... Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's come to the... The boil again uh, with the fact that yeah the kind of Armstrong could potentially be moving on and that would then free up a space which Roman Curtis Blackburn have been interested or reportedly interested them and Cardiff are reputedly the two clubs that have been most strongly interested but I have written in recent maybe the next last four to six weeks uh, probably more four weeks um, that. Uh, they Pompey sounded out those clubs to say oh look are you interested they said no not at the moment. How much of that's brinkmanship? Don't know. Don't know. So, um, Ronan wants to go. Um, it could happen. And also, there hasn't been, this, and this could be a catalyst for Ronan leaving, where there hasn't been that that um, that action in the championship so far, not which was anticipated, it's kind of been quite a stagnant market. It's going to drop at some point, and it's going to then go kind of, I can see it going quite crazy for a couple of weeks in terms of championship business. Now, does that then make clubs do in their urgency to get business, make decisions that they might not have otherwise done to make them panic slightly? Does it make them take a punt on a player? So that might actually help Ronan Curse's cause in, in getting out of the club. And by the fact, maybe Pompey earning a few quid, you know, a few extra quid on him if, if, if he does go. What I would say for Ronan, and you know, he's had his critics and people talk about his attitude. I think he's been first class in pre-season. I think what he's done, um, he's been honest enough to say he looks, he's looking to move on. Um, 
but that it won't affect his attitude. And it hasn't, and it's been superb. He's been thorough, he's been professional, diligent, trained. Played even pre-season friendlies like he's playing a league game. And now we can think of players, certainly in the last recent seasons, that have... Um, we, you know, I can go back to Jermaine Defoe picking up injuries when he was, you know, trying to get out the door, and there's Jamal Lowe, hoo ha, where players it, it became difficult and the players were disinterested in games. You can't level that at Rowan Curtis. Yeah. Um, however long he's around, and he, he could be important. You know, if he, even if he does go in the in the meantime, I don't think you can. Um, I don't think you need to worry about um, Rowan Curtis sacking it off. I think he will be on, you know, on point and, and focused as he needs to be. Um, so I think that's a credit to him. Uh, do I, you know, is there any insight at the moment? Not particularly. I just think there's a few circumstances that could make things, the ball to start, you know, rolling. Obviously, the Blackburn thing with um, with Armstrong, etc. But just more the business that needs to start happening and what that could then be a domino effect on on how that could make clubs kind of a bit trigger happy, hopefully, in in terms of doing yeah. business. Yeah, definitely. Fair play to him. He hasn't done a Harry Kane. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not turning up. Thank you very much. But at the same time, too, he's got a, he's got a. There's a small window of opportunity here for him too, isn't there? If he's if he is really desperate to go, and Pompey secretly do want the money so that they can fund. He's got. He's, as you say, there's so, there's so many games coming up in the next couple of weeks before the transfer window closes. If he bangs in the goals, gets loads of assists. All of a sudden, that interest is going to be reignited. Like so, it's the Bobby's benefit that he does well. Then I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I'm just stands the reason I don't really particularly thought about. It. But of course, yeah, if he starts the season well, he's doing himself a favour. He's got he's got a platform to to impress, and and yeah, I know Rogan can look like a player that's playing for himself, but I don't think he particularly is a player that plays for himself. I think he's a, quite a team player. I think it's just you know. Perhaps Roman has always needed to step up in the bigger games, which he's never quite managed yeah. to achieve at uh, Pompey, but that's slightly off point. My family just come through the door, so if I get charged in in a minute, I apologise. Um, so yes, that, that I think it's got a narrative that will run there. There's a lot of factors that can make things happen still. So um, I'm just doing a podcast at the minute. <laughs> well, talk, we're talking about forward, Roland Carter's being a forward at the moment. Um, Pompey's forward line, apart from Gassan and, and well, Hurst is going to be there too. Are you, are you anticipating that attacking forward being majorly different from the, the attacking forward that sort of way finished last season? You've got Marcus, you've got Curtis, you've got Harrison. All on paper are fantastic, but Pompey just didn't seem to get them firing at the same time throughout their time together. Like, so is that a worry then? Or yeah, how be being yeah. Get it be in a position to get the best out of them after, after having a pre season with them all. Yeah, I think that's one of the major concerns for going into the season and the recruitment that in John Marcus and, and Ellis Harrison, you, you've had a couple of players that have not quite hit their straps. Obviously, I know I think Oxford United are coming strong for for Ellis, but John Marcus, he hasn't he hasn't quite done it. Now, Danny's working hard on John Marcus and what he can offer the team in terms of leading from the front and pressing from the front. I think he's put a lot of effort into him because he needs to get John firing. Um, I think it's fair to say as a top earner and what John earns, he would not be an easy player to shift. So Danny's got to work with him and get the best out of him. Um, 
Danny rates John Marquis as um, he says a movement striker. I'm gonna keep talking, but I'm gonna shut the door as I. Uh, <laughs> so unprofessional. <laughs> Darren McAnthony doesn't have to put up with this nonsense. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the pain of working from home. Uh, I've, I've got an office being converted. I'll convert my garage into an office in the next couple of weeks, so there won't be any excuse, hopefully. Now, uh, yeah, it's that big, big multi-million pound pay rise you gave me, Mark. Where were we, Marquis? Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot to get out of John this season. And Danny's just got to try and get every ounce out of him that he possibly can in the, in the last year of his contract. Marcus Harness, I like Marcus, but I think it's fair to say he's flattered to deceive, isn't he? I mean, it's a big season for, for him. He's, we keep hearing he's the one that Pompey get along with Ronan the most interestful and get the most phone calls from from clubs saying, what's the situation? You know, just you know, nothing, no, nothing official. But what's going on with Marcus Harness? And clubs will look yeah. at him and, and, and value him. So let, let's see that because we've seen bits and pieces of it and we need to see it more. Um, just, I mean, the, the guys at not the uh, top 20, the, the yeah, podcast and league podcast, they, they know their beans when it comes to the EFL. And it was interesting to hear them say that, you know, in Ronan Curtis, and Marcus Harness, they think there's two of the, the most exciting players, players, you know, in their in their area of the pitch in League One. Um, obviously, we see them week in, week out, don't we? So we probably are yeah. better for you know place to form an assessment. And I think they're right on their day. They are great, and they haven't probably hit quite hit their straps together. If they can do that, you know, however long they're around, that can be good news for Pompey. But we need to see it consistently. We haven't seen that consistency. So it's fair to say, I feel that. Um, the front end of the pitch would be one of the two biggest concerns. Obviously, the, the lack of midfield quality, uh, numbers, sorry. The quality is fantastic in, in central midfield, but not, not enough depth. And perhaps more the quality and the, the ability um, for partnerships to work together, which we haven't quite seen. Now, Harrison and Marcus never really quite hit their straps together. That's great friends, but it's just not really happened. So interesting to hear Danny Cowley say that he would like four strikers. He don't think he'd necessarily get there. He's got four at the moment, isn't he? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that he should say that. Um, he might not get there. I think what he would say to make him, you like, you like to have a nine and a ten and a backup nine and a backup ten in an ideal world. I don't think he's really got that at the moment. Uh, so, um, yeah, what, what's, his, what's his space on that one, really? And um, But they need to... They need to step up when it's one of the big areas of concern is the, yeah. is the kind of the partnerships and how those partnerships yin and yang and, and really bounce off each other. Are you seeing from pre-season that what Cowley's plan is is to start with Marcus with Ahadmi or is James, or I keep on calling James Hurst for some reason, is George Hurst really there to put pressure on John Marcus and that come a couple of weeks time you may even see had me and Hurst be in the partnership for Pompey up front. Yeah, um, I think he, he sees that had me as the uh, as the link man which he has played. It's almost been a, he's called it a four two three one, but it's almost been a four four one one, wasn't it? So if you see a had me, he kind of plays in that role behind Marcus. But I think they they are going to have the shirts. If I you know put my neck on the line, that would be how I see it starting at the moment. But he's very keen to keep it real on um, Sam had me temper expectations about him because of his lack of experience and lack of um, he's very raw but that's why I feel that Danny wants to put a premium in into another eight stroke ten player you know I'm not going to say Ben Thompson 
I could say Johnny don't, Williams. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah. I'm already feeling the flat. Yeah, yeah. I'd say Johnny, yeah, you get players like that, a creative front end, eight stroke 10 player. Johnny Williams is out of contract. There's another one um, who come and fit into that mould. And um, yeah, I think he would like to get, you know, rather than having, obviously Ellis looks like he might go. Then you've got Hurst as the kind of more mobile version of Ellis Harrison, perhaps, or not so much more mobile. I think Danny sees Ellis Harrison's a physical, of course, street, street smart, physical, rough, tough guy. Hurst is more of a player who he feels can, you can play up to and he can hold the ball um, or you can play down the channels. Um, he's not just a target man. You can kind of play in the channels and get behind defences. I think he feels he can come short and, and go the other way as well. And, and it's interesting to speak to George Hurst and he rates his foot, you know, playing with his feet more than playing with his head. I don't think he's that, that as good as a six foot four lad should be in the air, perhaps. So um, he's saying there's a lot more to his game. And I think Danny Cowley feels that as well. He feels that he can play different ways, whereas you probably just hit Ellis Harrison more than kind of getting moving down the channels. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think, you know, I think Hurst would be the next in line and, yeah, it's all to, you know, injuries can come into it and form. But I think it's, I don't think it's nailed down for, um, for Danny by any stretch. And I think perhaps in terms of the striking area, um, a key, the key man for Pompey this season might not still, may not be at the club yet. Yeah, okay. Uh, going the complete opposite end of the pitch, Gavin Bazunu. Um, we're anticipating Alex Bass starting against Fleetwood tomorrow, which would cause some people a bit of a surprise, bearing in mind Bazunu's reputation, being yeah. dubbed the best, one of the best young goalkeepers in Europe by Danny Cowley. He's a Republic of Ireland, full international, Man City, highly rated him. But it... Not, not that anybody's seen too much of Pompey with the games, a lot of games still being played behind closed doors, but he hasn't actually played that much games. So what's, what is going on there? Well, I think you just answered the question there. Yeah, I think Danny Cowley... I keep rates... on answering my own questions. Just you go back. I'll, I'll just come <laughs> back on myself then. Call <laughs> it Mark McMahon talk instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel... Um, I, think that, I think he does view Pizzuno as one of the best young goalkeepers in Europe. And... Um, he certainly loves the fact that how great or how comfortable he is with the ball at feet, and that's going to be really important for Pompey as the season goes on. I just think at the moment, Gavin Bazuni is not quite ready. He's had limited football in pre-season. Um, off the top of my head, he was doing rehab at um, Luton. He came in and had, I think he's just had that, that, that game at Chelsea, hasn't he? That, the, uh, he looked very good, actually. He looked really, really impressive for, for 60 70 minutes until Dan Gaioli came on trialist, who's now gone back to Peterborough um, for the time being, at least. Um, so I just think that it's um, that he doesn't feel that Gavin Mazzini is quite ready, and he's also been very impressed with with Alex Bass. Let's not let's not do Alex down. Um, I think he likes. He thinks he's quite good with his feet. He done. He didn't see, in his opinion, a lot of difference between Alex Bass and Craig McGilfrey at the end of the last season. That's one of the reasons why he's happy to let Craig go. But he rated, probably in his own opinion, Craig McGilfrey top league one goalkeeper. Probably didn't fit his idea of what he wanted from a goalkeeper. Um, but that was why he didn't see Bass as being too far behind. And probably the big difference was probably about maybe three grand a week <laughs> in reality, in terms of wages. That probably was probably the key difference. I don't think he saw 
that much difference in terms of how much their the uh, how disparate their their earning power was. So it's okay. Maybe I need to free that money up and let Craig go. I've got other areas I can focus that part of my uh, planning budget on. A lot of uh, got a recurring thing in terms of Danny moving things around. We were asking him yesterday about how it's going to work out. He's like, I'm not fobbing you off. It just it can go so many different ways at the moment. There's so many places it could go. There's interest in people, and I need to free up money. Knows where he wants to strengthen. And he wants to free up money, but it's just how quite does he get there? You might you might see you might see a surprise or two in terms of players going out the door. Yeah, that you wouldn't yeah. quite see. But it's just that might be that interest comes for that player that then gets Danny the money to go and pay a premium for a, an eight stroke ten, um, and that might just be you know the interest might not come from Ronan Curtis. That's expected. So okay, we need to shift it somewhere else and try and free up some yeah. other other wages so uh, yeah there's a lot of um there's a lot of permutations still to come yeah i think okay i'm just conscious of the time we've only got about three minutes left so i know we've already seen a danny cowley's influence on probably at the end of last season but now he's got the players he wants to play his way is there a noticeable change people rock up at fleetwood tomorrow for the first time and God knows how long are they going to see a noticeable difference in a Pompey in Pompey's play from when Cowley first came in? Oh, yeah. So when you had yeah. Tom Miller, Jack Watmore, Ben Close, we all know what yeah. Pompey yeah. like. Then is it a massive shift? Can you see that their quality now, Shannon, in terms of what he wants in terms of play? Well, he's got a very clear game idea, hasn't he? Uh, I'm not. It's going to take more than one window to get to that point. I don't think you're going to see that shift overnight. I think you'll start to see the first changes. Like you saw the first change, first changes probably immediately in terms of the way they play out from the back and then the midfielder comes back and splits the defence, the full-backs push on and they're kind of playing out and pressing high up the pitch and the, the emphasis on wingers. I think we've seen the next step in progression in that way. But then I, I also, I mean, Carl Robertson's coming has been fantastic in pre-season. He's exactly what Danny Cowley wants in terms of a centre-half. At the moment, touch when he stays fit. Um, so I think that's another step in the right direction. That he's going to get a ball player and defender. But I don't think necessarily Sean Raggett would be the, the. He's a player he's inherited. I know he had Sean at a lower level, but maybe that wasn't an, you know an ideal fit for like a type of defender that Danny Kelly would have wanted in League One necessarily. But he's going to work with that. And but then he's got Williams that's come in and Tonnercliffe, and I think Tonnercliffe could be really important Pompey this season. So yeah, he's getting more of the players in, but then. They're the kind of key cogs, aren't they? You need, you need to get that spine of the team nailed down, which I don't think it's quite got. I think it's maybe starting to get more there, maybe halfway there now. So, yes, I think you're going to see progression towards the game idea that and, and fans will like um, and Danny Cowley wants to get to. But it's a work in progress. Come on, let's be fair. It's not going to, it's going to take, it's probably take the season. It might be a bit of a... The first half of the season might be a transitional part of the season. It might be longer... And it's going to take more than one window to get Danny Kelly to what he wants as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we need to give it time. But that's not to give them a free hit. I think we need to set their bar realistically even around the playoffs this season. And, um, yeah, there needs to be that that time. We've been knocking around this division for far too long now, haven't we? So let's, yeah. let's see where we can go. And, uh, you know, of course, there's optimism. I'm going back to that, free. Yeah. And finally, like we are, we've only got about 30 seconds left. What's your prediction for tomorrow, then, like, away to Fleetwood? Yeah, I see no reason. I think they're a bit lightweight in the striking department. Good manager, tough place to go. Probably be freezing, even though it's August. <laughs> down with rain. 
Um, I'm looking forward to hearing the uh, Together in Electric Dreams and the music they have there before the game. And I'll buy a packet of Fishman's Friend and be optimistic with a 1 0 success. 1 0 success. We'll take that then. Definitely will. A winning start to the season. Jordy, thank you for your time. Thank you all for watching and listening. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the Portsmouth News website for everything you need to know about Pompey.